It's time for Idle Thumbs. Who brought us this? This episode of Idle Thumbs is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the fastest, the easiest, the most user-friendly, responsive, and elegant way to make your very own website, portfolio, blog, or online store. If you go to squarespace.com and use the offer code THUMBS at checkout, you will get 10% off your first purchase and a free domain name. That is squarespace.com with the offer code THUMBS. Nice. It is very nice. Mm. Oh. You guys ready to record this cast? Do you know what it is? I don't, but I I don't need to. I heard that beep. That beep moves. It's time to begin. Mm-hmm. I heard that boop drop. It's March 16th, 2017. This is Idle Thumbs 303. I am Chris Remo. I'm Nick Brecken. I'm Jake Rodkin. Welcome. Welcome back to the studio. The 303rd episode. What, like three days since we recorded the last Idle Thumbs? Yeah, Yeah, we thought Idle Thumbs was maybe going to get a little bit less frequent, but instead we were starting to record (laughs) it every three days. It's a choice that we made. Yeah. So, uh, Chris, I hear you had an experience with Zelda. Yeah, I, I, was I, this like a kiss? Like did you guys talk about this in the green room? What was that? So Chris, no. so you're like throwing Chris a little intro here. Well, I so thought Chris, I, somebody I should bring some professionalism <laughs> to this. Oh, that was that was prof- uh, Chris. I listen, heard you had an listen, experience. Jake, it's part of my new character, Sleepy Nick. <laughs> Is that going to be the fourth Nick? That's already that's one of the Nicks. That's one of the Nicks on the Nick Brecken cast. We've all seen it. That's true. If you haven't seen that, go to our uh, Patreon page and scroll down to when we hit our second tier. It's the best episode of Idle Thumbs ever recorded. That's true. Uh, with your hosts Nick Brecken, Nick Brecken, and I'm Nick Brecken. It's mm-hmm. really good. Anyway, that's plus a plus secret Nick Brecken. Oh, plus Nick Brecken. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I heard you I heard you had an experience with Zelda, Chris. Yeah, I'm actually not going to go into detail about it because it's boring and not not. I think you had to say, I, well, but but yeah. what? Ha- so Jake, I don't have a a um, a Switch, the Nintendo Switch, the new console, and so Jake lent me his Wii U, and before you gave it to me, you you sort of started downloading. It was taking a long Breath time, so I couldn't on, get it done. On it, yeah. So I tried to finish that at my home, and it, I was hoping to start playing this Saturday morning, but. Ended up spending basically the entirety of Saturday just trying to get this stupid game downloaded onto the thing. I was confronted with so many just incomprehensible messages. Weird, because when I did, I must maybe my mistake was starting the download because I went into the store, oh, pressed download, I, and then it started to download. My my download was. I also am playing this on the Wii U. My download was interrupted, and yeah, it created some weird shit. I yeah, wonder, I wonder if we had like the same exact experience. Fake version yeah. of the game that didn't go anywhere. Yeah, and then it was like, this is corrupted. Like, yep. please delete it. And I'm like, what? And then it downloaded. and It said it was done, but the the file size was like a fifth of what. The actual file size was supposed to be oh, in the I store, didn't have that and the Oof. game. So the game never loaded onto the front page of the of the Wii U. But uh, I thought maybe it was like I've never used a Wii U before, so I'm like, oh, maybe it's like if you ever use an Android phone, it's like you have to sort of intentionally add things onto the home screen. Right. No. But then I couldn't no. find like nope. a secret reserve nope. where it really it was. So I I ended up having to download the whole th- like all ten gigabytes of it all over again. Also, there wasn't enough space on the system, oh, but good. it didn't tell me that before I started downloading. Oh, it. I had that problem. So then I had to like frantically find things that I thought were safe to do.
Also, None when you go to when you go to this is an old console, now. right? But when you also the the installation itself it took takes so forever. it took hours. It took and it, and the entire time it said it'll be done in five minutes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> just, just in our case it said nineteen and, minutes. Yeah, it said okay. we watched like three episodes of the Great British Baking Show. Yeah, while well, we were waiting you watched for those this. good episodes. Yeah, it was, that, that was great totally show. fine. I had a fun time watching that. Uh, but like in the nineteen remaining minutes yeah. of installing Zelda we somehow managed to cram in like three hours did of it did it prepare baking. you for like cooking lizards and apples together <laughs> in a pot I have not yet cooked anything okay yeah so I how far into Zelda did you I'm actually not, manage I'm to not get? that far we didn't start playing until like la- you know Late on the night. later side last night and yeah. so I you know I hey Chris here a few days after recording this podcast I have to say that in the days since we recorded this episode of Idle Thumbs. I have played much more Zelda Breath of the Wild, and oh my god, I love this game so much, and it's killing me that we did not record this podcast later in the week so that I would have had time to talk about more uh, detailed impressions and reactions, having spent more hours with the game. So I'm sorry if my impressions on this podcast seem shallow or not yet fully considered or informed it's because they aren't yet um but i have been playing the game a lot more and i'm looking forward to talking about it more next week so uh that's it i just had to come in and say that because i am just thinking about this game nonstop, and i know that i did not do it justice on this episode okay enjoy the rest of the episode I did get through all of the shrines in the, the first. Initial, like, so you got the, the glider. I got the glider, and then. Oh, you should be cooking by now, man. You got to get into that. You got. <laughs> I'm into not. That I'm not. I feel like I'm really underpowered, even yeah. for the amount I've played, which is not that much. Like, oh, you'll the, feel that way last, for a long time. The last shrine I did was the one in the sort of ice zone, and that was a harrowing. Oh, There's. I've never even been there, I don't think. Oh, you mean, oh, the ice zone on the starting area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. Sorry, like, yeah. I didn't realize that there was, like, holy crap, there's temperature and you freeze. Oh, yeah. And I'm, like, trekking through this, you know, yep. tundra, and I have a, a torch to keep me warm, and I... I never thought to just hold the torch with me. What's wrong with me? Yeah, it's. it's I never awesome? thought to do that either. What in the world? I'm. I, yeah, I, it's so cool. I, I mean, I know you can do it, but uh, so that I could just, like, it was actually a total oh, trap. Constantly. Because, oh, I talked health. to a man who was like, if you if you cook me a thing, I'll give you like a jacket, and what? then what? and then my and then like Twitch chat was like, that's no, it's not gonna happen. Why is he spending time like trying to talk what? to this guy and like do his thing? And I did it, and he gave me the jacket. I was like, ha, fuckers, now I got this. Jacket. Wait, where, how early was that in the game? That's like right off the bat. Like what in the world? Yeah, he's like a guy trapped. And logs. Anyway, I didn't encounter that. I just, I've, yeah. I've frozen or melted so many times in this game at this point. It's yeah. a disaster. I froze, like, I, f- I finally made it all the way to the shrine, and then I froze and died, like, five feet away from the shrine, and then I just respawned in front of the shrine. So, oh, uh, yeah. Health, and I'm you, like, oh, great. Yeah. Cheese. You hit like, a safe point. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Uh, so then I went into the shrine. Yeah. Um, but then when I, when I got the, when I got the paraglider or whatever it is, um, instead of going to the next zone you're supposed to, I had, you know when you get up to the top of the first tower and mm-hmm. the guys like scout out all the shrines and you have to like you he wants yeah. them to mark yeah, them on yeah, the map. Yeah. I ended up also marking one 
in just another oh. zone yeah. Yeah. far away. So I ended up just flying to that. It was in yet a different zone that's not even the second right. one you're supposed to go to. And I'm in it now and it's kicking my ass because I'm realizing like, oh, you need to have like Stuff. arrows to do this, which is a thing I can have, but I just didn't have I just yep. didn't have any. It's Far so, Cry too like that. I, yeah. where, I strongly uh, yeah. recommend finding a little cooking pot somewhere and making yeah. some food because I know, I needed your ability thing. to survive goes way up if you just have a pack of meals because you can just always yeah. you can yeah. replenish yourself so yeah. much more. I, I didn't realize how important it was until maybe a couple of hours ago. And oh, okay. Yeah, whoops. Also, like, yeah, some of those meals will just give you, like, four bonus hearts until they're removed and it's really yeah, fucking oh, oh, useful. It's pretty common for it to have, like, for, for food that you cook to have an overcharge on yeah. stamina or an overcharge on health or to give you like plus X uh, invisible, like or sneaking or speed. So like, you don't. I'm not really calculating about which which I'm using all the time, and I feel like I'm sure there are people who know way more about how that works than mm-hmm. me. But just like knowing that I just kind of being pretty sloppy with it, but still knowing that I'm getting a boost out of it is yep. cool. But yeah. mostly, I just my hearts just get destroyed all the time. So I haven't, I haven't just because I haven't had the time. I haven't played as nearly as far into this game as I know you guys have. So actually, I'm gonna. I'm going to read an email from Ed who wrote in about this game, and so this might oh, one sort thing. of be a useful f- um, focus for some of our conversations. Did you find it very satisfying to jump off of that stupid church with the hang glider for the first time and escape out of oh, the map? Oh, yeah, that was so, so good. good. Anyway, that was that's all. so Just, good. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, I, I already really like this game a lot. Actually, you know what? One thing I will say about this game that is not the game's fault but is really unfortunately hindering my pure enjoyment of mm-hmm. it is that holy crap it's been a long time oh, yeah. since I played a third person console game and my ability to just oh, use oh. Well, sticks and face buttons is aw- I mean I just feel you'll get better so at, it. Bad so, at it so don't feel bad because I just got done marathoning fucking Dark Souls games right. and I picked up the Wii U pad and went oh fuck this feels like a foreign object yeah, it, it really is does. not necessarily like one, the X and the Y button are flipped from a 360 I can't pad, stand that. which I'm just like That's I cannot figure though. it out. I can play a Super Nintendo. It's I know. the same layout as the Wii U okay. and the okay. everything else. No. But also that doesn't matter because they could still choose whatever bindings they want, yeah. and I don't. I, the bindings yeah. they choose, I find to be very unnatural. the other thing. Like running and running, uh, sprinting flip. and jumping are 180 degrees. Apart you can flip those in settings. Yes, tries me. Oh, you can. No, no, no. You yes, can't, settings has flip jumping. You can flip them, but you can't move it over, which is what I want. 180 degrees, even vertically. You can switch Y and yeah. B. No, what I want is I want to be able to or run X and, B and, or and slide my thumb over and jump. You oh, know. you want a Mario? I want a Mario. I see. Or or I have want, another I button that I, is like on the like also, a trigger or something. This is well another weird thing that maybe again is just because I'm accustomed to using a mouse and keyboard and just the way that you have like a bunch of fingers instead of your thumbs doing everything. Mm-hmm. But like, well, I guess your triggers, your fingers are doing. There are so many inputs and different buttons. Like I have, I'm having no, a hard time with number, it. I shouldn't. The number but of I am. arrows I waste when I'm like, shit. Which one is my like? Oh, the number of swords I throw. Oh actually, yeah, is the worst. And I'm like, fuck. Which one is my ability <laughs> shoulder button? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which yeah. One oh, is I my, threw which so one is many my things away. Shoulder button and which one is my yeah. aim? Like I also bombed myself a lot. Just yeah. blowing myself up. I've yeah. Like, it's just, in the last like hour that I've been playing, I finally like. The it controls have you. clicked, yeah, and yeah, it, but yeah. it took yeah. a long time of like, yeah, yeah. draw Same. an arrow, and then suddenly, like, I'm just looking up into the sky, like I'm a yeah. six year old. We're finally all old people, guys. Or rather, uh, like, as, I'm as, a, as is proven by basically everything we say on every podcast yeah, yeah. we do now. Oh no, we're this, definite. Just oh, old people, no, I, people I, were just mercilessly tearing into me about that <laughs> shit. Like, what is he doing? He can't. What? He's looking down at the controller. Why is he looking down at the controller? I'm yeah, I have to look down at the controller all the time. 
I it controls differently than other Zelda games yes. and differently than yes. other this game. Like yeah, you know, yeah, this yeah. does not control like Assassin's Creed, nor does it yeah. control like Zelda. It controls like Breath of the Wild, and you have to just get used to it. I think. Yeah. yeah no, I'm fine. used to it. I'm just not there now. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. It took me a long yeah. time. It took me way longer than I thought it would. Yeah. Anyway. So. Ed, oh, I am enjoying playing oh, yeah. it on the Switch, uh, in the most slovenly fashion possible. Like this is the most oh. out of control. Oh yeah, this is Idol classic. Thumb Circa 2008 yeah. when we were talking <clears throat> about. Uh, I guess it was. Twilight Princess that had just come out on the Wii yeah. and how with the Wii you can yeah. play the with like you can have the, the little analog stick that plugs into your Wii remote with a cable yeah. and you can have your two hands just at your, at your side looking like a dumpy idiot when the commercials were all about swinging the sword around Yeah, Nintendo is well, not they even love pre- it. they're not even pretending this time that you're going to swing a sword around they just like it's wireless it's the most slovenly one in the world you yeah. break two <laughs> controllers off the side of the switch and you can just like disappear into your couch and like your controllers can just like be at your sides, falling yep. off of an Complete arm of the couch. Limp there's arm. no motion controls. Or, I guess you there's the like gyroscopic a- a- aiming. aiming, but you can turn that off in you the settings and just use the which right I, analog which stick. Which I did because yeah. I, yeah. I, God, do you guys know how long it took me to figure out? So, you know, this game has a <laughs> this game has a uh, a sort of monocular, like a a, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. a sight glass where you can zoom oh, in on stuff. Yes, and I it's had like this there's a part too. earlier in the in, early in the game where this guy, this sort of old man guide, is like. Mark, you know, put waypoints down and mark the the targets. And I'm like, right. oh, that's awesome! I love that this game has that. That's so cool. And but and I would sort of like focus in on a tower, and it would be swimming yeah. around. I thought they like, had like a Christ. I thought sake, it was simulating the, like, like the shake of his rifle, hand. Yeah, like shaking yeah, yeah. hand. Fuck It was off. your this own shaky hands. Yes, it is actually the gyrometer in yeah. the yeah. Wii, the big yeah. ass huge Wii U weird tablet slate yeah. thing shaking around. I was about ready to throw this thing out the window. I was so. <laughs> Frustrated. You can turn it off. It's okay. Yeah, I finally understood <laughs> what it actually was, and I yeah. turned off those controls. I had the same I was experience. So baffled. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, I recommend the Nintendo Switch version because you can have two little tiny controllers yeah. to the size of half an iPhone and just sort of flop around your house. Ben brought his into the office, and I really, uh, I don't like how tiny they are. I really don't like how tiny those analog sticks are, but I like the feel of the other parts of it. Yeah. Um, and I, the switch is actually a pretty nice like piece of hardware nice thing to play it on. Yeah. yeah. So Ed writes, Hey thumbs. I love the breath of the wild podcast. Spectacular. It was super good to hear hilarious stories and insight on the game. Here are two things I like about the game from different directions. First, the towers. This is an adopted mechanic or trope from games such as the new far cries and assassin's creed and probably other Ubisoft franchises. But whereas those other games will fill the map with a billion icons. Once you reach the summit, breath of the wild, just throws that out the window. No help, no icons. Just here's a really high thing. You'll be able to see a bunch of stuff from. So go on and make your own map. It feels like a nice rejection of the clutter of those other games. The quests and treasures are still there, but rather than becoming a box-ticking exercise, you now just have fun discovering them. Secondly, the shrines. I love how Nintendo has thrown out their old staple bunch of big dungeons and have to wade through. The shrines feel like just enough of a puzzle to make you feel satisfied and clever, and every time you think you've seen all the types of puzzles they have to offer, you'll wander into some wacky thing you never could have dreamed of. Um, I hope these Zelda comments might spark some discussion on how Nintendo have cribbed from other modern games, but refined or put them on their heads in such a refreshing way. Also, Zelda has a cold start, which is rad. I didn't even see the title screen until I'd played about 20 hours and realized there must be one. Thanks, Ed. 
What does that mean? Title screen twenty hours. Uh, I thought the title screen happens like, if you're in playing the first it, five minutes. If you're playing it on the Switch, I think it might just go into the game, and you can suspend that console state without ever going to the menu. So you might never see. It the does new that game on screen. the Wii U as well. But huh. the oh yeah, no, I never saw the new game screen. But when you go after you wake up and go outside the cave for the first time. It, it, gives you a little it goes to music, and then in the lower right-hand corner of the screen, the logo of the game fades up, and it says "The Legend of Zelda." Oh, okay. Of the I think I, I think he, I, means he the might menu. be in the main menu. I like, because you're, okay. you're it just I think this game just oh, yeah, goes I've right into itself. Seen that. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I wouldn't even know um, how to get to it. In fact, yeah, I really, I, 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 I kind of just because it is so obviously that Assassin's Creed Ubisoft thing, I sort of went, eh, all right, they have towers, that's fine. But I actually do like the way they're using it. It is pretty different. It's it is different, and it's well designed in the way that like. An Elder Scrolls game is designed to have really like interesting like uh, uh, I guess POIs in between the major ones, right? So like mm-hmm. they they've clearly like drawn the line between define that acronym uh, point, sorry, of point of interest. Uh, so like between like one tower to another, like especially like in the center of the map, if you look at any given tower, they've done a really good job of just like basically. I think essentially designing an experience like I I ended up in the jungle area the other day and getting to the tower in the jungle area felt like something that was pretty well crafted. I was following this river and like even to get to the tower it it like you couldn't possibly just climb it. You had to sort of get up on a mountain and you could see the mountain so like everything on the way there felt like oh okay this is just this is the stuff that they put in between me and this thing and it just felt really nice yeah. and they even even just from one tower to another they always they do a good job of the aesthetic being if you can see another tower yeah you see two mountain ranges sort yeah, of like yeah, yeah. collapse in to form what clearly already looks like an, a giant s you'll have to weave across the continent to get there or you're like oh maybe i can climb that one and then sail blah, right. blah. but like the line of sight management in this game is generally very good. It's also like I'm glad that there are areas of the map where, that aren't populated with that stuff too. I didn't with what stuff uh, with towers and sort of sh- like tons of shrines and mm. like kind of when you're in the middle, you, you kind of assume oh there's always going to be something glowing off in the distance. But I got into the southwest corner of the map, which is huge as it turns out, and it's just it's like very barren and it's you know it's I mean it's a desert yeah. biome, mm-hmm. but like. And it was just really refreshing to kind of just be completely devoid of that sort right. of like, uh, you right. know, very obvious gamey stuff for, yep. for a little bit. Yeah, they did a good job of balancing it, I think. People often, I mean, we definitely have talked about in the past uh, Disneyland as oh, a yeah. sort of prototypical example of uh, world design and sort of des- uh, designing points of interest, sight lines, sort of uh, silhouettes and like creating a sense of scale in a condensed space and drawing the sort of player or visitor around a space in an intuitive way. This game really, really reminds me of that in a way that is even more directly mappable to the experience of walking around Disneyland that uh, that I can remember recently in that the way scale works in that in this game, I will often look at something like a, a mountain or a yeah. a sort of big temple or something, and it will look really far away, and it'll mm-hmm. sort of be obscured by mists, and it looks like this huge thing far away, and I'm like, fuck, this is going to take so long to run there, which if I were in Skyrim, it would, but right. in this game, it always ends up taking like half yeah. the time I would expect because they're, they do a really good job. I don't know if... Like, if, I, I suppose they're just doing that with scale. They're literally playing with scale. I've wondered though to make if they are deliberately doing an stretching, thing. stretching Z yeah. distance yeah, yeah, out, or yeah. like deliberately scaling the height of the world up in a bowl around you, like using yeah. some sort of weird trick. Or if it literally is just that the world yeah, is built the way really that it's really effective because it ends up yeah. it ends up feeling huge and expansive, and stuff looks like impressively far away. But then I don't end up wasting like half an hour yep. to get there. It's a it, they have 
found a midpoint of that stuff very cleverly. And that's the kind of weird little tiny thing that is is totally not the kind of detail that um, you get credit for, I don't think, as like a game developer. People just think that well, the game is well designed, but they don't. I mean, that that yeah, yeah that example but, is hard to cite and, yeah, and know yeah. how it works exactly. Yeah, because I don't. I mean, like you just listed a few different things they could do to achieve it. I don't know. Right. Or they just built the world. Or they just the built right the scale. world really, really, really smartly and just found the perfect scale. Yeah. Who knows? But it just the the end result of it I find to be so satisfying. Yeah. 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 And what was the other the shrines? I guess. Uh, um, oh yeah, he, yeah. I have so I yeah. I assume I had assumed until I read this email. That all those shrines at the beginning were just kind of an intro thing, oh, and then there no. would be a real dungeons. There are a hundred no, of I guess them. The, oh my god! Okay. Yeah, there's there are more, there's four. Over main... I think there's 120. Okay, wow. Well, <laughs> get those gold stars. Uh, there, yeah. there are four main, like, sort of classic Zelda dungeons. The four big giant beasts oh, okay. that, are, yeah. that are that are that are the Shadow of Colossus sort of dungeon mentioned. beasts, and then and then most of it is the the shrine stuff. So yeah. I really like those shrines personally. The the shrines remind me, and this has been said by a lot of people. The shrines remind me of portal test chambers. Yeah, using they're portal test chambers. Yeah, and I think that's yeah, good. Yeah. I I have zero complaints about it. Man, God, I, I want to spoil one, but I, I don't know if I should. Um, Is it one of the? It's one of it's one of the sort of it's it's a you know it's it's fairly early for most people probably, but it's the it's the one where the ball drops down into the um I don't know if you've seen this Jake, but it it's it's just yeah a little, I've seen a few where it the, drops the down and and it goes into the little thing and you can you control it using the pad oh like a labyrinth it's, I haven't yeah seen it's that a, one. oh it's a labyrinth where the ball drops into the labyrinth and, and the the labyrinth is actually being controlled using the motion controller, which I thought was kind of a gimmick, but there are, I, I'll just say instead of spoiling it I will just say there are many ways to solve it and it's it actually like at first you're just like oh I get this this is kind of dumb like it's just using the thing as a gimmick but it actually because this game is so heavily physics simulated you can solve that thing in like several different ways and when you realize (laughs) a few of those ways it is like surprising and like really exciting really nice so i've actually had an experience in that shrine the the first shrine i've been to that is not one of the initial sort of like core item shrines I, I thought it was going to be... I didn't realize that this was just a thing there were a ton of. So I'm like, oh, this must be like the last one of these and I'm mm-hmm. going to get like my last item. Like, no, it's just like one that's out in the world that I just sort of accidentally ended up finding. And um, I there have been two cases so far in that shrine where I actually created a hard blocker oh. or something that was basically almost a hard blocker bug because I just, I did something in a way that I don't think was the intended way to complete it. And I got like 75% of the way there, but I didn't have like, for instance, enough physics force through my weird, like Jerry rigged solution to actually propel the thing. And then I ended up putting like a ball ended up getting it sort of off of the big stone track. It was on Mm -hmm. just enough that it didn't end up rolling back (laughs) to its starting state. So it was just stuck there like permanently yeah. and the only way I got it fixed was by chucking a huge <laughs> sword at it yeah. and it it just like bonked it just enough that it sort of like slid out of its I like, like that Link's story as a real as a real experience is hilarious yeah. to me. That's I'm just like oh I'm in this room full of this ancient machinery fuck yeah. it, 
I broke, <laughs> I broke it. Okay, I, I threw a sword across the room and it hit it, and then it unstuck yeah. the shitty old machine. Yep, yep. It was it was really weird. I mean, it was <laughs> just definitely like, yeah, not. Yeah, it's like slapping the computer version yep. of early, just like right. hitting the TV yeah. to fix it. Uh, yep. yeah. yeah, I had a couple instances of that in the shrine. I having those experiences. I do think they were bugs. I don't think yeah the, they oh, the yeah. game should have allowed me to do that. But nonetheless, the fact that it did allow me to do that really drove home to a degree that I don't think I would have previously appreciated. This is genuine physics simulation. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. This is like physics simulation in the way that Japanese games very rarely traffic in. Yep. You know, this is like physics simulation in the way that like a Half-Life game yeah. will yeah, like, or an actual game that's about those things, but it feels but, very much like Portal, including the way that you can sort of yeah. get into a janky state and then fudge your way out of it. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that was surprising. And including everything being made of cubes that are lit in teal and orange. But, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. The, um, yeah. All the, I'm basically only playing this game to go to shrines at this point, which is mm. stupid. I mean, like, not... I'm not, doing that with, with towers. Not as they're... Well, right. I, I I still haven't... I haven't gone to, like, the second major quest. I got... Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm getting wrecked. But once I realized that every four shrines you complete oh, you, get you can upgrade yeah. yourself have you noticed that chris did you well go? they you have to notice that because that's that the first the first oh right yeah. that's they make you they make you do that at the very beginning of the game but yeah that's that's there's no heart containers in this game there's none right. of that stuff you just every four shrines health you complete, or stamina you choice. can go you yeah. can go back to one of those temples and get either health or stamina right. and also there's people who will let you sell you can sell one of the two either of them back Yes. For 100 rupees, and then for 120 rupees, buy the other one. So basically, right. you can pay a 20 rupee to upgrade respec. charge to, to, yeah, to change your build. Uh, yeah, I see. Yeah. That's cool. That system seems very clean to me compared to the, they're either just hidden around or drops uh, of old of old games. Like I, Yeah, I, I like it. It makes, it makes sense to me. It gives, like, yeah. everything f- ends up feeling... Of a piece in a in a good way. Yeah, well, I mean, they used to do a lot of gating for that stuff via just the dungeons, I think, too. Like, you'd always get a full heart at the end of a dungeon, typically, yeah. right? And so, like, they're just replacing that, but with, like, sort of smaller it's also bites, j- which is nice. It's, it's also, it's, like everything else in this game, it's way more soft-gated. You can go into a yeah. dungeon way underpowered if you really want to try it, but you'll know in the back of your mind, okay, I have found, like, yep. zero shrines in this game. I'm not probably doing the thing that I should be doing. Right. Yeah. But they're not going to... They're not going to force everyone in every point to have. There's no minimum required number of hearts right. anywhere in the game that I can right. think of. Other yeah. than there are guys who take six off by just touching you. Um, so yeah, but if you avoid those guys, you're fine. Yep. I'm shocked by how player uh, directed this game is. I, for, especially for a Nintendo game, I it is crazy to me how many of the systems the game doesn't explain until the first time you naturally engage with it yep. and then a little tooltip will pop up yep. and be like oh like that thing you just did this is what it is yep. uh, but it is crazy I mean it's cool it's impressive to me how little of that stuff yep. they front load all of it is in the game somewhere if you end up finding it like if you go to the correct shrine it'll teach you mm. the like dodge and counter attack yeah. stuff or okay. people will tell you how to do the occasionally people will tell you things like people on the road will just right. like say yeah, thing. So like, like did you know you, if you, you know, find yeah, yeah. every shrine and talk to every NPC PC, you will yeah. learn every single thing in the game through the game's contents. But yeah, they, there's no real notion of crit path to explain most of that stuff to you. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. 
It uh, reminds me of Super Metroid, actually. Super Metroid was a game that uh, had, a, yeah. had a move yeah, set yeah, yeah, that yeah. was totally undocumented, except there were little like shadow NPCs or animals that could carry out the moves in areas. Then if you replicated them, right. you could learn how to bomb jump or do like little wall climbs and right, stuff. Right, but right. it was never tutorialized anywhere or mandatory to complete the game. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of Metroid in this game, actually, just in general. Um I mean, I mean, like even even like like you mentioned, like physics stuff, but also just right right down to like they use the Metroid Prime uh, 3D map for those major dungeons. Uh, it's, oh, I haven't uh, gotten into any of the. Yeah, yeah it's yet. interesting. Yeah, I feel like probably without really thinking about it too hard, I suspect this kind of goes back to like you talking about Zelda One last week, Jake. But like, I suspect that a lot of the things that I might have initially said to myself like oh this is clearly from this recent game probably if you went back and looked at kind of like, the iterations of like the core Nintendo titles I suspect that a lot of them were probably actually just pieces of their design philosophy that then got like sort of more fleshed yeah. out in recent like Ubisoft games or whatever but that really they you know yeah this, that, probably that, can lay claim to some of it if not a lot of that, it uh, game developers conference oh yeah actually already put up the 90 minute uh behind the design philosophy of Breath of the Wild. Like, that was a really, really smart move that, on their yeah. part of just, like, GDC ended, like, a week ago, and they're they're already dumping, like, one of the biggest talks of this year. In part, I mean, that's smart. Everyone wants to know about where the heck Breath of the Wild came from, and it's a good yeah. talk. Um, we alluded to it. We talked about it a little bit last week because um, I, had, I had seen some of the clips of the Zelda 1-based prototype, but it was cool to watch it and hear them um, or here, the guy giving the talk, whose name I've already forgotten, but mm. he was, um, he's a designer who's been on Zelda games for 20 years. Like he was working, he worked on the, the like Game Boy the Color Game Boy ones. Color and Game Boy Advance Zelda games. Um, but he, what he was talking about very specifically to open his talk was what I really wanted to go back to was the feeling you had when playing Zelda One and not <laughs> knowing the scope of the game and not knowing how a Zelda game worked. And I realized the only way that I could do that was by erasing all of the mm. gating and progression mechanics from yep. Zelda and just starting over again because the other, like we've tried over and over again to try and break the formula and the only way to do it is to actually throw it out and do a new yep. thing. Yeah, really and cool. it was a, it, like the talk is really good. Yep. Um, yeah. I would really like to watch that mainly because I'm really curious what their external influences were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder how much they talk about that. I've only seen the first half of the yeah, talk so far. I, I'm curious. I'm going to try and watch but, the whole thing. Yeah, if you do, it, if you episode. search on on the Google for just GDC Breath of the Wild talk, I'm sure that video will come up at the top. Yeah. As well as like incorrect cooking instructions and some bad <laughs> facts about the presidency. Yeah, right. Yeah. <clears throat> um, you guys want to do some other reader mail? Yeah. Sure. Greg in Helsinki writes, Dear Thumbs, I've been listening through the first episodes of the podcast, and it's surprising the number of accurate predictions you've made about games and culture. For example, in episode nine, you talked about treasure trove and how people could all be running to the same spot in real life to grab a digital item. And then in 2016, we get Pokemon Go and that very thing happened. Or in episode six, you talk about Far Cry 2 and how in the marketing material, they showed faction wars with individuals taking over a particular faction if the commander was eliminated. And we got it not in Far Cry, but in Shadow of Mordor. Are there any jokes or predictions about games you made that were surprisingly prescient or memorable? Thanks for the podcast, Greg and Helsinki. I bring this up mainly because I don't think we're going to be able to remember any of them, Mm. but because I suspect this question is better posed to our readers than to us because I I at least am awful at remembering anything we've ever talked about, even on the previous week's podcast. Yep. So I don't know. But this is something that people often bring up in our pod. They often... Well, the Shadow of Mortar one doesn't seem fair because... That seems like that was another game accidentally yeah. predicting Shadow of Mordor, but um, or another we, game's marketing division. We especially in the first couple of years of the podcast 
made jokes about things that were so implausible that they could never be. Um, right, and then they are. And then they would become real. Yeah. I remember a lot of stuff in the early days when everyone was going crazy for stupid bespoke peripherals for video games. Oh, I think we joked about Tony Hawk controller being a shitty skateboard that you wobble around on on the ground, and then that was announced. Oh, yeah. That was, oh, that yeah, was one yeah, that yeah. I remember being yeah. happy about. Um, but I can't I can't remember many of them. I can't remember anything. I can't either. And then the, the Fallout 4 one that we saved uh, for <laughs> years is the yes. other one that I remember. That is, uh, yeah, that's, that yeah, that's a classic example. Yeah, I'm sure there's a bunch of stuff, but I, but we're not the ones to remember it. Yeah. Feel yeah. free to write in if you have good examples of that that are weird or amusing. Should we take a break? Yeah, let's take a break. This episode of Idle Thumbs is brought to you by Squarespace. Mm. Yeah, Squarespace is the fastest, easiest, most responsive, user-friendly, drag-and-drop, straightforward way to make your very own website, portfolio, blog, or online store. Mm -hmm. And if you go to squarespace.com and use the offer code THUMBS at checkout, that is T-H-U-M-B-S, when you're ready to check out, you will get 10% off your first order and a free domain name. And you can get started making your entire Squarespace site without needing to pay for anything, put in a credit card. Uh, you can make the whole thing, and then when you're finally ready to put it live on the internet, use that offer code THUMBS, get that 10%, get your domain name, get everything you need, and they have 24-7 customer support. So even if you do somehow run into a snag, uh, they got it covered. If you go to squarespace.com and use that promo code THUMBS when you're ready to check out Nick Brecken, mm. you will get 10% off of your website, Nick Brecken, and a free domain name, Nick Brecken. Oh, I have an example of a nice, simple Squarespace website that a, uh, a reader has sent in. Yeah. Uh, there's a reader named Wesley McLean who's got his portfolio up on Squarespace, and it's just a really nice sort of concept art illustration yeah. portfolio but you can get to it at the domain name Dawson's Creek dot rocks <laughs> <laughs> which is very very good oh, oh excellent so you too could have a nice portfolio to showcase your art whether your art is good or bad in this case this guy's stuff is good you you know we can't all make good art but you can have a good looking website that's true with <laughs> a sick ass domain name such as Dawson's Creek dot I think rocks. that domain name is art I That's think. true, yeah. <laughs> That's so you, true. you could create art even if you can't draw with Squarespace and a good, <laughs> real delicious domain name. Mm -hmm. That is squarespace.com with the promo code THUMBS. Are we back? We're back. Oh, man. Wait, uh huh? Nick's very excited to be back. I was excited. Hi! He's gone, hey. already. He's gone already. Oh. Rob writes. Hi, Rob. Hi, Thumbs. Hi, Your discussion Rob. about the golden years of Mac Shareware brought back my glory days. My family bought a Power Mac in 1995 when I was 15. It means this person's the same age as Jake. That's true. I immediately dove into the shareware scene and quickly found out about ResEdit. You and most of your listeners may know about this program, but it allowed you to get into most Mac games and edit graphics, sounds, and even sometimes code. My greatest ResEdit triumph involved a jousting game about Richard the Lionheart. When you lost a match, Richard would stand in front of the camera and plead to you, the player, to send money to the developer. The voiceover was in very broken English and had a hilarious effect. My friend and I thought it was very funny. Unknown to my friend, I edited the images to reanimate the knight so he would violently explode halfway through the first word of the voiceover. It took me an entire weekend, but when I had my friend over to play, it took him by total surprise and he laughed his ass off. It was a triumph that would only be worthwhile to a teenager with unlimited free time and a need for attention. 
Anyway, Red Edit, Res Edit was hugely influential to me and is one of the stepping stones that I used to become a game designer. Did any of you use this program or make any crazy edits? Cheers, Rob. I definitely used Res Edit. Res yeah. Edit was a program that I had heard about like because it was mentioned in magazines and developers talked about using it all the time. Like, it, I mean, it was a tool that Apple wrote. It's short for Resource Editor because every Mac file in that time, the Mac file format, every file had a resource fork and a data fork like every file was split in half and the data side was just whatever compiled binary data was in there the resource fork was any mac friendly file file things that were nested inside of that file and res edit could edit that half so you couldn't mess with every game because some games were just totally pre-compiled but um yeah i remember taking the bungee game marathon and replacing i i found someone made a stupid screensaver with barney the dinosaur where he would jump (laughs) up and down um, and those were all picked resources, which are picture files. And then the marathon enemy animations were also picked resources. So you could literally open two documents in res edit, copy, and then paste into the same slots. And it <laughs> generally just worked, which was really surprising. So mm. I, yeah, I remember instead of the little ominous, al- ominous alien noises, my copy of that game, it might've been pathways into darkness. It was one of the early bungee FPSs. Yeah. You would just hear Barney go off in the distance, <laughs> uh, in whatever evil situation he was in. And then I made bad animations of you just shredding him with a machine gun. <laughs> right. Um, I was really, really proud of that, that garbage. Um, I we've talked about I've talked about Res Edit on the podcast before. Yeah, Cause I, I remember so. there were bungee games. I that you would mentioned this before. Yeah. yeah. There were bungee games that you would open up, uh, and there's just one resource uh, in ResEdit that just said, "Oh, it's all in the data fork. Weird, huh?" Like there's just a message because <laughs> they know because they know people are gonna <laughs> try to crack into their data with right. ResEdit because you don't. Mac file formats were so standardized at that point that you know you just operated under the assumption that you could right. you could edit anything with that. So if anyone used a different format, it was it was always really disappointing to just see like right. a like binary resource that just contained a ton of hex data and nothing you know, all sad yeah yeah um yeah that voice file was that that was a thing apple put in there that was the thing bungie put into their what? game no I it you a, just said it wasn't a voice file like you'd open it in res edit and there would just be one text resource oh text resource like where you where the file would be like you know a couple megs like oh this is gonna be oh nice. I I'm, gonna, I'm gonna find i thought you all... meant there was a weird easter egg in a bungee game no 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 that... no no no. okay i meant there was a note from a bungee programmer or like build engineer or something inside of some of their files that just said that, like weird that there's nothing in here huh like oh just... that is what okay that is what i thought but you it was just okay. a text it was yeah, just, it was just a, text a text string file. yeah yeah okay um I see. which was which disappointed a young teen me um yeah it's weird to think that bungee it is often shocking to me that Bungie is the uh, has existed as an entity yeah. in a fairly in a continuous state in some yep. form or another going you know from now when they're the sort of crazy like world destroying creator of destiny back to when they were a weird independent mac software company yep. making games like Pathways yep. into Darkness and Marathon. Yep. Yeah. It's a crazy thing. There's there a handful. There's an there incredibly couple, direct yeah. line from Toys Destiny to Bob, back Bethesda. down to Marathon too. Oh, yeah, Bethesda, or Toys for sure. Bob, Bethesda. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, Toys yeah. for Bob made Star Control way back in the early '90s. It's still less extreme than Sky coming Landers. from being a, basically a Mac shareware game company, though. Which one's which one? Bungie. Yeah. No, no. Which one's less extreme? I think that's the more extreme trajectory. Oh, sure. Yeah. Being like. Yeah, I yeah, know you're right. Yeah, because. Bungie is a crazy example. There was just it was just so much less of a scene than any PC game development 
was. Yeah, yeah. definitely. But it, yeah. it is, yeah, it's cool that when Skylanders hit and it was like Toys for Bob, that yeah. was a, like, yep. that was very weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Toys for Bob went through a sort of like bummer period where they were just kind of doing Activision's like dirty work, basically. They were just, I think that, but th- yeah. Where they were, ma- they made like Tony Hawk's Downhill Jam and they made uh, like, they made some Spyro stuff, which eventually weirdly mm. spun out into Skylanders. Yeah. And they made like the Madagascar game, which was a like strangely a huge hit, and I think sort of doomed them to do all these like children's games for a long time yeah. until they actually made one that became like yep. you know a huge thing. Uh, but I followed all that stuff only because, or primarily because Star Control. I have Star Control yeah. <laughs> like twenty five years ago, um, but now they're like doing great. So good for them. I think it's cool that Bungie's through line is also is maybe the most consistent out of all those i guess bethesda yeah, is too but bethesda yeah, still had some had it seems like some undulation whereas like well bethesda also became a publisher and so yeah, like it's sort of but a you can you can look at marathon one and look at like, destiny and there's a linear line yeah, even though the platforms yeah. go crazy bungie yeah. i guess bungie had a little fiddly bit in the middle where they put out uh myth the yeah, fallen lords just like games and, they wanted to and make oni and, and stuff yeah but i yeah that that is that is true but just they're like you can see in their first-person stuff, the sort of design ethos has actually right. held true ever since they were making Mac yeah. stuff. Yeah. Man, I remember actually being at the Bungie booth at, like, Macworld Expo. Wow. Oh, shit. When I think it was when Marathon 1 came out, but they were still also selling wow. Pathways into Darkness. What the hell? And Why I, are you there? Because I was like, I'm me. I don't know. I was there. <laughs> I went there. You would have been, like, 14 years yeah, old. Yeah, I went to Macworld when I was in junior high because <laughs> our junior high art teacher took a couple <laughs> of students to Macworld. Oh, okay. And I remember... I remember being just a sort of shitty sniveling teen because the guy uh, at, at Bungie was clearly just a dev on these games, showed me it, and I was like, well, I have Doom at home, and I really like Doom. And then he said, well, well can Doom do this? <laughs> and, and like he showed me like the doors in Marathon that opened four ways at angles and like right. went and used yeah. the computer terminal. I was like, I don't know, but this doesn't look as good as Doom. It's like, just ties, it's like totally rude, like oh just a God. shithead, yeah. which was like, I, I know thinking, like I can remember that moment because I like feel like a, an ass as an adult because right. I remember as a teen that that's what was coming out of my mouth. But yeah. what was happening in my brain was going, wow, this actually is really interesting and is very different than what I've seen before. Right. <laughs> it was stupid. It's like what I actually said out loud. I can only relate to you through disdain. Yep, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So junior high teen me uh, yeah. was a butthole yeah. to some bungee guy who was really proud of the fact that he had like, you know, like weird Carmack <laughs> grade so graphics running on a Mac. Yeah. Um, Jesus. That's really good. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah. I'd forgotten about that till right now and it's added to my list of regrets. <laughs> <laughs> God, what a dumb memory. Good good memory to to yeah. have, yeah. Yeah. Um another question? Yeah. yeah. Nate says, hey, guys, glad to see you still making the old internet content. I was wondering if you could talk more about the Nintendo Switch. I guess we kind of already did this. I'm marginally interested in getting one, which is a first for me for console gaming in a long time. Uh, a friend mentioned to me that Breath of the Wild has a 98 on Metacritic, bested only by Ocarina of Time at 99 as in terms of Zelda games. Is the hype real, or are we all doomed to disappointment? Keep potting those casts, Nate. So I, this question is mainly answered by our last, yeah. our full episode of Idle Thumbs and the first half of this one, I think. But we haven't talked about the Switch. I guess we did talk about the Switch like a itself tiny a little bit. bit. Yeah. I mean, Jake, Jake's the only one of us who has one. It's a, t- it's a tough recommendation. I love the Switch, actually, which is... I did not think I was going to give two shits mm-hmm. about this game console. When the first video came out, I got excited for a minute... Um, like six months ago, like uh, this console's had a short 
launch window, which was nice. And then I spent basically every day after that video came out until about a week before I bought it in a trough of being like, I don't care about this. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. And then I said to myself, well, if I don't buy it for Zelda, I'm never going to buy it and I'll probably be annoyed at myself. Oh, no. What I said is if I don't buy it for Zelda and I buy Zelda on the Wii U, I'll be really annoyed when the Mario game comes out if it's good. Right. And then I have to yeah, buy the I Switch for that, that, but I didn't buy it for Zelda. Didn't Zelda right? Zelda, and then like yeah. my Zelda yeah. game would be relegated to an old console that I'm never ever going to play again. Blah blah blah. I Nintendo fan rationalized my way into getting a Switch. <laughs> From a hardware standpoint, the Switch is easily my favorite Nintendo console since the GameCube. I think um, it's it's very smartly built. It's when I handed you. Uh, the Wii U, when I packed the Wii U up, I was so shocked at how much it feels like a sort of flimsy toy. If I do not like how it feels. It's just a bubbly, sort of cheaply made thing, whereas the Wii, or the Switch, feels like what it is, which is a modern Android-esque tablet. Like, the build quality is nice. It's, I mean, there are people who are having hardware issues with some of the, with the controllers. Mine are great, but, um... Like, the controllers, when they snap in, feel sturdy. When you hold them out separately, like, the click and the action on them is good. Like, the materials are nice and not that, like, glossy plastic that, like, the Wii U feels like it's built for a baby to barf on and for someone to be able to wipe it off. <laughs> right, yeah. Except that's not even true because it's, it's full glo- of little it's, seams and grommets that gloss and stuff. that, like, yeah. dusts, dust and smudges collect in mm-hmm. about half a second. Yeah, no, it's, oh, yeah. it's just... <clears throat> And again, like the GameCube I, is the last Nintendo thing that felt more of this ilk to me, where it's like it's just a hard utilitarian device whose job is to make playing a game easy, was yeah. what the GameCube felt like to me. And the Wii and the Wii U both felt like there's a, it's trying to exude a friendly personality, but it just comes across as cheap. And the, yeah. the Switch doesn't feel like that. The, I wish I had not handled a Switch before I started playing Zelda on Wii U because it really drives home <laughs> how much. I don't like the feel of the Wii U. And yep. also, actually, more importantly to me, how sluggish that system feels when you're doing anything. The, the Switch UI is so good. I know. It's everyone crisp. everyone says that. And the doing literally choosing any menu item ever on the Wii U, it feels like it takes five it's, seconds it's to the, do I mean, anything. Yeah, it's you hear infuriating. the little boo-boo and then wait and then and then a screen slowly sort of expands onto the screen. Yep. The Switch, it's like... I want to suspend this game. Main menus up. Yeah. Like well, honestly, okay. this like this is one of the reasons I just kind of. I'm sure that the modern consoles are all in general pretty good at this, but like the Switch is better at that stuff. Than yeah, the are my too, computer but. just does things. Yep. Well. I mean, computers have such a reputation for being such pieces of shit, and in some ways they are. But also, like my computer, like just acts like a modern device in a way that like, like it, I'm it so pops up ads for how you should get uh, Microsoft cloud services <laughs> right. yeah, and yeah, Cortana yeah. tries to intercept yeah, yeah, half yeah, of your yeah. speech and whatever that's yeah, what you mean yeah, yeah. no that's that's yeah um, I the, the thing I mean is consoles, consoles do literally do, that too do that shit now also but like in ways that feel less controllable by me um, no I don't know I just I, I most many of my experiences with game consoles in the modern era, I just find to be unsatisfying and sort of annoying. And like, yes, when the annoying things happen, there's less I can actually do about it. Yeah. I just have to learn to live with it, which is not how it feels on my computer. My, my um, experience with the switch so far has been, it is a way more focused hardware product from Nintendo than the Wii U or the Wii were, even though the switch has the wacky thing where the controllers can slide off and can snap in and out and do all this other shit. What that ends up basically mapping to is just you can unplug the controller and it still works. Like I mean, it's functionally its job, its its interface is almost all like 
two analog sticks, eight face buttons, four triggers, just like standard video game controls, except that it's a portable system as well. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, uh, it, it doesn't. It doesn't seem to have a. It doesn't have games that Nintendo is foisting on everyone yeah. that are based around the lifestyle of the system. Even though right, that that right, is supported, right, right. The fact that the big game that they launched this thing with is a huge. Zelda experience speaks well. That said, it costs three hundred dollars, and I, I don't think yeah, I can I recommend people spending three hundred dollars on it right now. That was the caveat to this yeah. whole thing. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to. It also is a. It's a bummer that it. Like I played the first several minutes of Zelda on it on Ben's when he brought it in, and mm-hmm. like it is kind of a bummer that it just clearly is not modern in terms of yep. its actual graphics hardware. Still, yeah. I mean, like I presumably more so than the Wii U is, which really looks like a step back. Unfortunately, playing it for me now relative to you know, playing just modern PC games, but uh, that is a little bit of a bummer. Doesn't bother me as much as it might, uh, but is like kind of unfortunate. Um, The one thing I do like about the Switch that is really sort of intangible and may not matter whatsoever to some people is just how small it is. But one of the things that is annoying to me about the way consoles work is if you want to be able to play all the games, you have to have like three of these things in your living room and they're all like, these big things that all sit and like they have yeah. big controllers and everything like the switch is very unassuming just goes everywhere the switch is a very small thin device that is the entirety of it whereas when you let me or wii u it's like oh i've got this big doofy toy feeling controller screen thing but then also another just like big black box that is the, the real one it looks that like has to the, the wii u looks like if you bought an internal CD-ROM drive in the late 90s and then had to get an <laughs> external, external case for it. Yeah, yeah enclosure. Yeah, yeah it, it's it's not great. Yeah. But the, I mean, the I was bummed out about the Switch's visual fidelity until I bought one um, because, you know, I rationalized it to myself as a customer who spent $300. No, the actual reason <laughs> is that I, I'm, I've played that thing as a handheld system way more than I thought that I would. I yeah, thought that, that I would sense. plug it into the TV and I would have the little controllers out on my couch and I'd play it on the TV. I've probably spent 90 minutes of my Zelda time playing it on the TV and the rest of it it's just like mm. the TV is in use by Dana or it's just turned off and I'm just sitting on the couch playing it like a portable right. which I did not expect like I yeah you know I've had friends who had PS Vitas and I did not give a crap like I found the form factor really annoying and stuff but maybe it's that I've had tablets for a while now or something but just I find that system actually works really well in that sort of handheld form but then when I so now when I plug it into the TV it's like oh cool a bonus this handheld thing can draw out to the TV and I don't need to hold it in my hands and that's like my visual expectations right. for its fidelity are like this is fantastic for a it's super, super tablet. Game Boy yeah because like yeah, yeah it is basically like a super <laughs> Game Boy because like you know an iPad maybe could run Breath of the Wild but no one has made a game that looks no, or performs remotely yeah, like that on a no. tablet so when I'm holding that, when I'm holding that in my hand it's really it, it feels great and then when it projects, quote unquote, is how my brain thinks about it onto the TV. Right. You're I'm like, like, oh, I'm cool. just seeing that thing, but on my TV. But it's now. bigger yeah, now, yeah, as yeah, opposed yeah. to. I mean, right. I still do look at it and go, man, if there was a Steam yeah. release of this that you could just turn the like draw a, distance, the knob me. Yeah. turn the grass yeah. sprite draw distance, turn the yeah, level turn of detail up, like up, turn yeah. texture resolution up. Fuck, that game would look good. Yeah, it looks so nice. So yeah. we'll come back in ten years when someone's emulating it at 4K and has pumped all the LEDs up by by editing in Res Edit. Yeah. Uh, Andy from Melbourne writes, or for the HD re-release on the Switch Three, oh, whatever the, that yeah, fucks right. up all the graphics where they like turn bloom up three times yeah, and yeah, whatever yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Andy from Melbourne writes, Hi, Thumbs. I wanted to write in to save Nick some time farming blood bags in Bloodborne. When you collect an item that you can't carry any more of, it gets sent to your storage in the Hunter's Dream. I believe, I don't know what that means. I believe this is signified by a little light on the icon when you collect it, but it's not immediately obvious what that means. From memory, I think the cap on the number of items you can hold in storage is around 99, but I might be wrong. When you die, any surplus items held in your storage will be transferred directly to your inventory, meaning you wake up with a full complement of blood vials. By stocking up your storage, you should be able to get a decent number of boss runs in before you need to start farming again. I only realized this about halfway through the game when I noticed my blood vials were being regularly replenished after death, which at first I thought was a pleasant glitch until I noticed the logic. Anyway, I hope this reaches you in time, as I think Bloodborne is a really interesting game, and I would hate for Nick to give up on it because of a frustrating mechanic. Don't give up, Skeleton. Andy Melbourne. Yeah, I, I knew that was a thing. I mean, it doesn't necessarily save you much time, except that it means that you can have a more sort of you can consolidate that time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. yeah. I'm going to go back and play that game after, <laughs> after I'm done with Zelda. Yeah, Zelda. The nice thing gonna, is now stream, that... Have you streamed any more Zelda? Um, Just on the one stream? Uh, no, I've done a couple. Oh, you've done um, a couple, okay. Yeah, I think three. But um, oh, okay. the nice thing is now, because I bought that breakout HDMI breakout box to stream Zelda, now when I play Blood, go back and play Bloodborne, I can just oh, plug can it through the there and do the internalization meter, do all that stuff. So real shit. Yeah, so. <clears throat> do you do internalization with Zelda? Yeah. 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 With the with the Zelda font. I saw that I saw that when you and Janelle link. were playing in the first stream, you both had internalization. Oh, set. that's right. How does that work? Yeah. Um, Did you guys extend uh, that Lockno, script? Or uh, oh, Lockno wrote that a while ago. Yeah. It's just it's it it just spits out to two different text files. So you just kind that's of cool. and it's I think you have to type like a number and then J if you want to give that to Janelle right, and, right. and for Bre- Nick. It's yeah. It's yeah. good. N for Brecken. Yes. <laughs> uh, anyway. Yeah. I've, play, I've enjoyed I'll, your 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 Zelda stream aesthetic. How you've got the the Zelda typeface yeah. powering all of your HUD and stuff. Yeah. It matches, because the, the game... The, they, the, yeah, it this uses game is that. really tightly designed from a visual design standpoint. Not yeah. just the world art, but like it's so nice to play a game like this from Nintendo that has like good typography that like all of the stuff that comes up on screen properly actually evokes Zelda and isn't just like a slapped-in yep. localization font. Also, to that point, <laughs> this is like... It's just like first 20 minute of the game spoiler I guess I love that when you get the hang glider it just goes new quest main oh, yeah. quest defeat Ganon and you're like <laughs> yeah. good fucking no, good like that is correct yeah. correct I will do that quest now bye <laughs> see you in 20 hours right? like, I love that that just stays at the top yeah that is really good I, yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah yeah, yeah. Hey. you know what stupid thing I like speaking of typography this is so dumb I really 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 like that when you first load the game the very first thing that happens is a completely empty dark screen with just like sans serif italic font that says Nintendo presents and then it fades out and then it fades in and it says the legend of Zelda and then yeah. it fades out and then it fades in and it says the breath of the wild and then it fades out and then the game starts. I love how understated that is and it really feels like it's sort of priming you for yep. something of like unknown scope and scale. It's I think like, Super it's Nintendo Super era Nintendo. I was going to say Super Metroid. Yeah. Super Metroid did yeah. that. Star Fox did that. A few of the games in that, Star Fox was, yeah. in that yeah. era were all about that. And then it feels like Nintendo totally dropped that aesthetic. And a lot of Sony's internal studios picked that up. That's true, actually. But yeah. it was really yeah, nice right. to see that aesthetic back at the start of the Nintendo game. Man, like, yeah. Super Metroid is the most extreme one, and Star Fox, which is the one that I always forget, but has like just the word Nintendo Presents writes up on screen, and then you just see a huge ship descend on a planet, yep. and it fades out, and that's the whole opening. Yep. Good stuff. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I love stuff like that. Yeah. Um, 
Gary writes. Hey, so, Gary. Uh, Gary. This is about Choose Your Own Adventure books. We got a bunch of emails about this. I chose one fairly arbitrarily. There were a lot of forum posts, too. Yeah. We talked about uh, Choose Your Own Adventure books two episodes ago and sort of weird, like, unreachable paths right we're like, like are that. there any infinite loops or secret pieces that don't exist uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, are there are they there because of bugs or do people hide right. stuff etc we asked and uh, a lot of folks wrote in with information about yeah. this so this one isn't actually about a book it's about a game with a book so uh, hmm. but, but several people wrote in about this exact thing so Gary wrote hi thumbs Jake made a remark about dead content in choose your own adventure books which Chris suggested would be good for Easter eggs it reminded me of the original 1988 release of Wasteland which was released with a book of paragraphs because they didn't have enough space on the discs the game was released on to put all the text they wanted into <laughs> the game this worked in a similar way to choose your own adventure books where the oh, game yeah. would prompt you to look at paragraph X and you'd be able to see the description of the item you're looking at God, imagine if if imagine how much of this book Jesus. Nick would ever see if this is how Dark Souls. Oh worked. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Turn just, to page twenty four. Great, this. literally blight it on fire. Yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> yeah, fucking burn it. <laughs> Game would prompt you to look at paragraph X. I'd be fucked though when it said like, please find the paragraph and then select the third word, and that is the that is the answer to this puzzle. <laughs> and I would no fuck. <laughs> Chat this would just tell sucks. you the word. Yeah, that's Chat true. Chat would tell you like 14 troll words and then eventually <laughs> right. the real <laughs> one would get buried somewhere yeah. in there with like four people screaming the real one and you just like selectively putting in a, tr- a troll one every once in a while. Yeah. And it would it, it would just be a comedy of errors that would last for 45 minutes. My AOL chat room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever that would As be. your internalization yeah. wildly. God, the internalization. I was watching a clip of... Uh, uh, sorry, this isn't related to this at all. I was watching a clip of one of your Zelda things because I went to the Idle Thumbs like Twitch clips page, you know, that just shows oh, all of the list, clips yeah. people have been clipping out of uh, Idle Thumbs Twitch streams. And someone had clipped one out where you, I don't even remember what you did. You did, you like jumped off of a horse and fell down a cliff. And, and like you, I think you were intending to like jump off the horse and land right on the edge of the cliff and look really oh, cool yeah. doing it but instead you just jumped off the horse down the cliff and just tumbled down and tumbled and tumbled and tumbled and tumbled and like bounced off side to side and eventually yeah. died yeah and then right at the very bottom you hit 100 percent internalization and the omar sharif went that was good play. <laughs> <laughs> was such an amazingly perfectly timed comedic like zinger. I couldn't yeah. believe it. It was uh, yeah. you couldn't possibly. I, was real, I, was, I remember that. that now. Yeah, that was really. I was pleased with that as well. I, I, I forgot that your internalization script has sounds uh, tied to it and stuff. Just Omar Sharif. Yeah, that no, is such good. a clean recording. Also, it's incredible to me. Yeah, well, it's from a game. It's from the. It's from his bridge game. From like it yeah, was but a that Mac was from the nineties, right? Yeah, usually yeah. No, vo- it well. Usually the voice recordings on somebody games like pulled that it out with were uh, heavily compressed. Well, yeah, and always. That was good play. Like they were yeah, yeah, really not bad, on the so. Mac, my my oh, friend. Really? Max had good sound cards yeah, for, uh, from the get go. Right. Max yeah. had waveform playback and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Max, I talked about this at one point on the podcast. Max didn't have MIDI playback, which right. was fucked up because it meant that people had to write really <laughs> dumpy sound fonts. So music on Max always sounded really bad, but regular sound effects usually sounded really good. I mm-hmm. see. Okay. Especially when it's Omar Sharif. They got so a you got good, that crisp Sharif. That yeah. Max Sharif. Yeah. <laughs> Max Sharif. <laughs> Maximum sure. That's the like when you're really expert oh, yeah. at bridge. Yeah, you get Max Sharif, Max Sharif yeah. when his his cousin Max Sharif <laughs> teaches you how to play really good bridge. Yep, and goes that was sweet play. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
He actually <laughs> plays a guitar solo behind. Yeah, uh, just, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Excellent play. But that sounds really bad because it's Team music. Max Sharif. Yeah, that one can only be played on PCs with graphic accelerator cards. So it's kind of bleak. <laughs> that was <an> excellent play. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> that was that was the that was your bird repeating it was just that a repeat, repeating that moment. <laughs> that was your uh uh mouth moods back in black. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, so <laughs> you definitely can't tell it's the end of two and a half hours of podcasting. Yeah. No, <laughs> great play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's either that's either an isolated vocal track of ACDC or a pterodactyl in a nineties yeah, like yeah. animorphs. Yeah. Fucking, oh man. I don't know. <laughs> If it said great play mama, you would know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. Last reader mail. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the game would prompt you to look at paragraph X and you'd be able to see the description of the item you're oh, looking at. This one. Or to find out that the eight-year-old owner of a dog you killed was now engaging you in combat. To prevent cheating, there were also fake passwords that would spontaneously change uh, characters or blow up the planet and just nonsense text. I don't understand how that prevents cheating, but okay. In addition to this, there is a storyline in the paragraphs about humanoid serpent invaders from Mars, which leads to your party flying to Mars to battle these monsters and free the two true peaceful Martian people, as well as protecting Earth from the serpioid invaders. None of this is in the game. If you played through the game and only looked at the paragraphs the game told you to look at, you'd never see this, these paragraphs. If you didn't, you'd end up changing your character's gender, nuking the planet, and wasting your time looking for a Martian invasion plot that does not exist. This is probably my favorite early copy protection. Anyway, I'm enjoying Important of True and looking forward to more of Nick's Far Cry 2 speedrun streams. Regards, Gary. Nice. Uh, other people did write in specifically about Choose Your Own Adventure books and, and answered the question. Yeah. Like, this answer is really good actually. and weird, but some of, yeah. the, some of the, the things people talked about, I didn't see a lot that, that straight up cited books, but people were linking to just some articles around that pointed out that not only are there deliberate, I mean, no one actually said whether or not they knew for sure if there were accidental ones, but they said that writers did deliberately slip single pages or chapters in that were complete impossibilities. And they were written about that. And there was also one instance someone cited of, a story you could jump to by cheating that ended up getting the characters caught in a loop and repeated mm. itself, mm, uh, really which is really good. So it had like a few <clears throat> jump points, but it just cut you yeah. by cheating. You would get yourself trapped inside of the book, mm. um, which he, is really good. Here's a good one from Gordon who says, uh, the strongest form of dead content I've ever seen was a choose your own adventure dealing with concepts of Buddhism, the cycling, the cycle of suffering and rebirth and the state of Nirvana. The adventure had you make choices and attempt to improve your karma for a better life the next time around, obviously with the unspoken goal of eventually breaking the cycle and reaching enlightenment. Though most of the book was text, the very center had an elaborate two-page spread of a beautiful picture depicting Nirvana. You'd flip past it constantly as you tried to track down the next page for your adventure, catching glimpses of it and wondering how to get there. You never could. No path in the book led to Nirvana. A surprisingly deep message for a usually whimsical form of media. Keep up the great work. Best, Gordon. No, that's really good. That's really, that is, really, that good. Is really good. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Um, here's, here's a good one that doesn't require a lot of input from us. It's just a wacky story, so we can end on it. Larry LeBron writes, Hey, Thumbs, glad to hear the bag blasting continue. This is not bag blasting. This is out of thumbs. That's <laughs> true. 
Your discussion of red blue image filtering and access inversions reminded me of a neat experience I had back it's in the early one. Xbox 360 days. The first game I played after getting my Xbox 360 was the director's cut of Fatal Frame 2, Crimson Butterfly. If you're not familiar with the series, they're creepy Japanese horror games where you typically play as a young woman with a magical camera that can destroy evil spirits. Mm -hmm. I was really loving the atmosphere the design team had created, which was dominated by eerie shades of blue in the architecture, the spirits, and even in the flames fl found throughout the world. The cool color temperature of everything gave it a distinctive look, feel, and vibe. Then deep into the game, I encountered the story of the titular Crimson Butterfly and was surprised to see that it as well was a vibrant deep blue. At that point, I thought something might be wrong. I tried another game and immediately realized that the colors were totally off. I started checking out my setup and realized I had inadvertently swapped the red and blue component video cables. Whoa! I went back to Fatal Frame 2 to see what the world was actually supposed to look like and found it far less compelling. <laughs> I flipped the cables back and played the rest of the game that way. Oh, man. Thanks. And mazel tov, Nick. Larry LeBron. That's really good. It is really good. I, I admire your um, your commitment yeah. to maintaining no, that's good. the better version of reality. Yep. I don't think I would have the I don't think I would have the integrity to do mm. that myself. One could easily replicate that effect with in an emulator at this point, I think. Swapping yep. swapping those channels would not be a huge feat. Yeah, that's true. Of post processing shader effect. <laughs> to to unlock the true fatal frame. <laughs> true. <coughs> All right. I guess that's an episode. It is one. It is. Yeah. Thanks for joining us on Idle Thumbs. The 303rd episode of Idle Thumbs. <laughs> yep. Sort of. Uh, you can write us email at questions at idlethumbs.net, and we will read it and respond to it on this podcast. Uh, I think we mentioned this in the last episode of the podcast, but we're going to continue doing this weekly for the next few weeks, after which we will be switching to a monthly schedule. Yep. Um, while we continue doing our new podcast, Important If True, every week. You can find that one at importantiftrue.com. Um, our Twitter handle is at Idle Thumbs. Our Facebook URL is facebook.com slash Idle Thumbs. Our website is idlethumbspodcast.com. And if you like this podcast, tell a friend. Consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. We appreciate it. Also, I haven't been mentioning this recently, but it's a really good thing to remember. The Idle Forums are a really great online community uh, with really friendly people and a nice overall vibe and sort of range of stuff being discussed. You can go to idleforums.com to hang out with those people. And there is a, a, a sort of introduce yourself thread that was actually started by Spaff like 10 years ago, more than 10 years more ago. More, like 2005 wow. or something. At this point, yeah. yeah. Still still going strong. Still is the place where newcomers can stop in and sort of introduce themselves to the regulars. Uh, that is idleforums.com. Thanks for listening. We will be back next week. I have one more thing to oh, say. Oh, Jake has one more thing oh, to he's say. he's got that, uh, yeah, one more thing. The classic Jake, one more thing. Oh, he's got this classic thing. Oh, it's, Jake, you know. continue with your classic thing. Yeah, you know, talking about Apple Computer, I thought that I would end it with one more thing. Yep. No, just we have started an Idle Thumbs Patreon campaign. Oh, that's true. Which, um, if you back it at $5 or more, you get ad-free episodes of Important If True, which is not this podcast. However, if you do like supporting what we do in general, including the monthly Idle Thumbs and a bunch of other garbage that we're starting to do, please do consider backing it. You do get ad-free Important If True. <coughs> if you back at... 
uh, $9 and up will send you a postcard every month, which will be really dumb and hopefully worth your while. We have some fun stuff going on with the postcards yeah, and that we think you're going to like. Uh, the Ruination stuff is at 15 is that right? Yes. And if you back at $15 a month uh, or more, we're, we're doing a monthly live stream called the Ruination Stream. Uh, in which you can propose a subject that we'll discuss uh, for a few minutes on it in each of those monthly streams. We actually just did the first one of those. The topics are uh, patrons only. You, you, if you back at fifteen dollars or more, you can suggest what we say. But we're releasing those episodes on it's our. More patron- like you can demand. What you can, we say. yeah. You, you yeah. can, you can, <laughs> you can demand. You can control us. Um, <laughs> we just recorded the first one of those, and it's up on our Patreon page at Patreon.com/slash/IdleThumbs. So if you want to get in on ad-free, important if true, or weird postcard garbage that we're starting on, or ruination casts. Um, the first of which anyone can watch, whether you're a patron yeah, or not. Yeah, watch them. Oh, and all of them will be free for anyone to watch. Watch them all, but <clears throat> turn us into your own personal podcasting puppet, uh, your PPP, <laughs> um, by backing our Patreon. Mm-hmm. That is all that I wanted to say. Also, new iPhones. There, is that what you want? <laughs> That's I mean, all that I want, Jake. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Bye. 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 Oh, for all the thumbs, I'm Jake Rodkin. That's not how we end this podcast. uh, I'm Nick Brecken. I'm Chris. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Yes, the personal podcasting puppet protocol. That is how one connects to the internet these days. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks for internet.